Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the King's House Podcast. We're a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not something you go to, but a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until the family's there. Then the house becomes a home. So today we want to say, welcome home, as we jump into today's service. Top of the morning, King's House. How we doing today? Wonderful to see everyone. Hey, happy 4th of July to everybody. Yes, I don't know if you're aware, but we live on the, in the greatest nation on planet Earth. Can I hear it, somebody? We do. The greatest nation. I've been privileged to go all over the world. I've uh, got to lead worship and preach on five different continents around this globe. And it's awesome for a few days, but after a few days, I feel like Dorothy, like I'm clicking my little heels together, saying there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Great big world out there, but there is no place like here. And thank you for, uh, for everyone that uh, has served in our military and made our freedom possible. Freedom is not free. Thank you so much. I'm on uh, part four of this current series called Be the Answer. And today I'm going to be speaking to you just out of a passage out of Acts chapter 16. I want to read through this passage before we uh, dive in there too far. Previously in this passage, Paul and Silas are on their way to the temple. And on their way to the temple, this demon-possessed girl starts to follow them. And she begins to scream, these are men of God. These are servants of the Most High. These men can tell you the way to salvation. And apparently they just went on for days and days and to the point where it really annoyed Paul, her being there and, and screaming at him. If somebody wanted to follow me around town and scream, this is a man of God, I would probably let you for a little while. But apparently it became obnoxious to Paul and, and he, he had enough of it. He, he turned around and, and rebuked the evil spirit, cast the spirit out of the woman. Uh, the problem was is that the spirit allowed this woman to tell the future. And her slave owners had turned this into a business. But now since the demon is gone, the business is bankrupt. So now, now we have a problem. And this is where the story picks up in Acts chapter 16, verse 20. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is why I should probably preach with a Bible. But I got my trusty phone. Here we go. Acts 16. I didn't even have to ask, Josh. I knew whose fault it was. On the count of three, can we boo Blake? One, two, three. I'm teasing. <laughs> they jumped all over that opportunity, Blake. All right, hold on. I'm almost ready. Got to get to the right translation. Acts 16, verse 20. I'm going to read it to you. Acts 16, 20, if you have your Bible. When they appeared before the Roman soldiers and magistrates, the slave owners leveled accusations against them, saying, These Jews are troublemakers. They're throwing our city into confusion. They're pushing their Jewish religion down our throats. It's wrong and unlawful for them to promote these Jewish ways, for we are Romans living in a Roman colony. A great crowd gathered, and all the people joined in to come against them. 
The Roman officials ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped of their garments and beaten with rods on their bare backs. Verse 23, after they were severely beaten, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. The jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. Paul and Silas undaunted prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Suddenly a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison all at once. Every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. Startled, the jailer awoke and saw every cell door standing open. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. When Paul shouted in the darkness, stop, don't hurt yourself, we're all still here. The jailer called for a light. When he saw that they were still in their cells, he rushed in and fell trembling at their feet. Then he led Paul and Silas outside and asked, what must I do to be saved? They answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your family. Then they prophesied the word of the Lord over him and all his family. Even though the hour was late, he washed their wounds. Then he and all his family were baptized. He took Paul and Silas into his home and set them at the table and fed them. The jailer and all his family were filled with joy and their newfound faith in God. An incredible story. We, we live back there yet, Phyllis? Almost. The title of my message this morning is Your Answer Can Determine Their Outcome. We're talking about Be the Answer, and the title this morning is Your Answer Can Determine Their Outcome. Romans 14 says this, no one lives to himself and no one dies to himself. Maybe you've heard this passage before, but what this passage is speaking of is that all of our lives are very uniquely and very intimately connected, each and every one of us. That's why we're called the body of Christ. Our lives have an effect on each other. We're all connected. No one lives to himself and no one dies to himself. Every decision you make is so vitally important. I want to read back through this passage of scripture. Hey, there we go. Somebody said amen. Woo! I want to read back through this passage of scripture and I just want to ask a few questions and break it down just a little bit, maybe help you think about it just a little bit different, but your answer can determine their outcome. Starting in verse 22, a great crowd gathered and all the people join in to come against them. The Roman officials ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped of all their garments and beaten with rods on their bare backs. After they were severely beaten, they were thrown into the prison. This is a bad day. And the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. Now, the innermost cell of the prison isn't just any normal cell. How many of you have heard that crap flows downhill? Everyone familiar with that saying? It works the same in a prison. The innermost cell in this day was the lowest cell, and all the sewers from all the other cells went downhill through the innermost cell. There was no air circulation. It was the darkest of dark place in all of the prison. It's a wonderful place to be especially when you're covered with wounds all over you and your back has been beat and ripped, very hygienic, no germs down there whatsoever, an incredible place to be. Needless to say, Paul and Silas had had a terrible, horrible day, and the question I want to ask you this morning, first of all, is what will your answer be, King's House? 
What will your answer be when you face injustice? What will your answer be when you face hardships? It's so important to realize that Paul and Silas had done absolutely nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, they had actually done everything right. Exactly what Jesus had commissioned them to do before he went to heaven, go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. Paul and Silas had done all of those things. They had done nothing wrong and yet they were, found themselves in hardship and difficulty. King's House, how are you going to respond to hardship? How are you going to respond to difficulty? How are you going to respond when people hurt you? When people talk about you, when people betray you, how will you respond to that? You better figure out how you're going to respond. You better figure out today what your answer is going to be. Because if you don't find yourself in hardship today, just wait till probably tomorrow. Hardship is coming. It's part of this journey. And how you respond to that hardship will dictate the outcome of that hardship, man. Let's look at how Paul and Silas respond to this incredible amount of hardship. In verse 25, Paul and Silas undoubted prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise. Woo! It's super easy to come in here on a Sunday morning when everything in your life is wonderful and great, isn't it, King's House? Man, when you just got a raise, when your kid just got accepted to college, when your marriage is wonderful. I mean, you go to, yeah, thank you, Jesus, we love you, you're wonderful, you're faithful, you're good. That's easy. That's not real worship. Real worship is this when you've been done unjustly, when people have hurt you and people have betrayed you, when you did everything right but the wrong outcome seemingly happened. In that moment, it's when you have to make a decision. What is my answer going to be? While all the other prisoners listened to their worship. They prayed, they sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. The second question I want to ask you this morning, King's House, is who is watching and who's listening to your answers? Every person in this room, somebody or somebody's is watching and listening to your answers. Our lives are so connected. People are watching you. You can't come in here on a Sunday morning and be full of faith and be full of confidence and then Monday morning wake up full of fear and terrified and anxiety. That's not how it works, King's House. People are watching you. You can't come in here on a Sunday morning and love your neighbor and then on Monday morning get on Facebook and put all sorts of ugliness. I'm not talking to anyone here. That's the other church down the street. That doesn't apply to hear that. But that's not how it works. People are watching you. Preach the gospel continuously. Use words when necessary. The problem with our gospel is, is that some of our lives are speaking so loudly that people can't hear a dang word you say. Are you with me this morning? So much louder than your words. People are watching and people are listening to your life. You might be the only Jesus that they ever have in their lives. Who's watching you and who is listening to your life? Do you still love me, King Sales? Verse 26. Here we go. I'm not going to preach long this morning. 
Uh, Man, they responded with prayer. They responded with praise. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door flung open. And the chains of all, look at your neighbor and say all. And the chains of all the prisoners came loose. The next question I want to ask you is who is your answer affecting? Who is your answer? Who is your response affecting? Because the answer of Paul and Silas, their praise, their prayer, their worship affected so many more people than just themselves. Your answer, your response, your faith, or the lack thereof, the way you live your life is going to affect somebody else's response, faith level, choices, decision. It's going to affect their life. Whose life is your answer affecting? Paul prayed, Paul prays, Silas prays, and the chains of everyone in that prison fell off. Every prison door flung open because of their faith. How many people in your life find themselves chained by sin? Prisoner to fear, prisoner to addiction, prisoner to sin. How many people are waiting for you to be the answer because your choices affect somebody else's choices? Here's the thing about it. Is there personal responsibility? Of course. Of course there is. But seeing is believing in human nature. Right or wrong, seeing is believing. When you respond right, when you answer God with faith, with praise, with yes, when God begins to move in your life, when somebody sees God heal your marriage, do you know what that tells that individual? God can heal my marriage too, man. Come on. When God's, when somebody sees your life set free from alcoholism, from drug addiction, from the prison of pornography and all sorts of sexual nonsense, when God, when they see God move in your life and touch your life, guess what that means to them? God can move and chains fell off because of their decisions. Man, there are people in your life who are waiting for you, King's House, to give the right answer. When chains start falling off, it causes a chain reaction. But somebody has to be the answer. Somebody has to be first. Somebody has to be the one that stands up and says, something is gonna be different in my life. You guys are awful quiet this morning. I feel like I'm preaching really good. You're kind of just staring at me. Good job, preacher. You're killing it this morning, baby. Glad to be here. Woo! Years and years and years ago, my great-grandfather moved to Seminole. He was not a believer. Worked in the oil field, a rough individual. God incredibly, supernaturally got a hold of his life. He gave his heart to Jesus. He raised my grandpa to love Jesus. He gave his heart to Jesus. He married a woman who also gave her heart to Jesus. The two of them raised my mama, who's here today. Give it up for Mama Hennon. Woo! The two of them raised a daughter and taught her to love Jesus and to follow Jesus. She accepted Jesus into her life. She also married a godly man who's also here today, Mitchell Hennon, the godfather. Give it up for him. She married a godly man. 
They raised two boys in church. They raised them to love Jesus. They raised them to serve Jesus. I'm standing here today. In turn, I married a godly woman who also wanted to follow Jesus and love Jesus. And now we're raising two kids who have already accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Listen, we hear so much about generational curses. We hear so much about, well, my granddaddy was an alcoholic and my daddy was an alcoholic. Man, I want to start talking about generational blessings because that is just as real as a generational curse. Somebody has to be the first. Somebody has to say, I'm going to be the answer. I don't care if you grew up in poverty. I don't care if you grew up in an in abusive. I don't care is not the correct word. I care. Let's talk about it sometime. <laughs> I'll pray with you. I'm sorry, that, that's better. I'm sorry if you grew up in poverty. I'm sorry if you grew up and if you had an abusive mom, an abusive dad. I'm sorry if you were molested. I'm sorry if there was drug abuse. I'm sorry if all those things happened. You can be the answer. It can stop with you, and then your children can live under blessings, and their children can live under blessings, and their children can live under blessings. Who are you affecting? with your yes. Who are you affecting with your answer? Verse 30. Then he led Paul and Silas outside and asked, what must I do to be saved? They answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your family. Then they prophesied the word of the Lord over him and all his family. Even though the hour was late, he washed their wounds. Then he and all his family were baptized. He took Paul and Silas into his home, set them at his table and fed them. The jailer and all his family were filled with joy and their newfound faith in God. A whole family gave their heart to Jesus. Everything changed for a whole family unit and probably that next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation, all because Somebody said, man, I'm going to be the answer. All because somebody said, man, I found myself in this horrific, unjust situation, but I'm going to answer with faith. I'm going to answer with worship. I'm going to answer with praise. Your answer can determine their outcome, King's House. You're living for something so much bigger than yourself, and the plans God has for your life are so much bigger than what you can realize today. Your answer can determine their outcome. In 1 Samuel 17, the armies of the Israelites and the armies of the Philistines had assembled. And there was a great valley in between these two armies. Every day, this Philistine warrior who was 10 feet tall would walk out in front of the armies of Israel. He would mock them. He would curse them. He would make fun of them. He would make fun of their God. For 40 days, this giant came out and taunted the armies of Israel. A month and a half, folks. 40 days, this giant came out and mocked and made fun of and challenged. And then here comes this little pizza delivery boy. You got bread. You got cheese. You got meat. You got pizza. In my, you put it in the oven. Here comes this little pizza delivery boy. Probably 13, 14 years old. Physically, no one's first choice. Most certainly not the most qualified individual. I mean, you walk into an army full of seasoned warriors, 
And you're definitely not going to pick the little 13-year-old scrawny kid who doesn't even have a sword. But there was something different about that little scrawny 13-year-old boy. He heard this giant mocking. He heard this giant making fun of. And there was something different about him. He wasn't the most qualified. He was nobody's first choice. But he was willing to be the answer in that situation. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He didn't have confidence in himself. He didn't have confidence in his own abilities. But he had a whole bunch of confidence in his God, man. That's the thing about all of us. He'd never fought a giant before, but he'd sure enough fought a lion, and he'd sure enough fought a bear. And I want to encourage some of you today. I believe that some of you are facing hardships. Some of you are facing trials. Some of you are facing difficulties. You're asking God, God, where are you? God, why am I going through this hardship? You're dealing with feelings of disappointment and disillusionment. Why is this going on in my life? God just wants you to know he is actually answering your prayers. Some of you have prayed, God, I want you to use my life for greatness. God, I want you to use me in an incredible way. I want to slay some giants in my family. I want to slay some giants in this community. God, you've prayed that prayer, use me. I'll tell you what's going on in your life right now is that you're currently facing the lion and the bear. Stop complaining about what you're going through. Start thanking God for the opportunity, for the process, because when this process is over, God's going to use you for something bigger and greater than you ever even thought possible. Come on, somebody. You can't face a giant unless you face the lion first. And this little pizza delivery boy with his little sling and a rock, he faces that giant. The Bible says that he ran towards the giant, man. I love that passion and that confidence. He lets that rock fly, hits the giant in the forehead. The giant falls face down. He walks over there like a big bad dude, picks up his own sword, cuts his head off. This is what I want to pick up in verse 52, 1 Samuel 17. Watch this. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. Shout of triumph? You didn't do nothing. You've been sitting over there sucking your thumb for a month and a half. A month and a half, you've been scared, you've been terrified. And this little boy walks in the scene of shout of triumph and victory, and they rush after the enemy and win an incredible battle. All because somebody said, I'll be the answer. Your answer can determine their outcome. All it took was one little boy to stand up and say, man, I believe in the God I serve. I believe that he's big enough. Your answer. I don't know what you're facing this morning, King's House. And I don't know where all you work and what all people you relate to and what all's going on in your world. But whatever's going on in your world, I know that God put you there on purpose. With a purpose. For a purpose. Because God wants to use you to be the answer in somebody else's life today. You might not be the biggest, you might not be the baddest, you might not be the most qualified, and you might not be anybody's first choice. And I can relate to all of those things with you today. But what I can also relate to is when you give God your yes, 
When you say, God, I don't have a lot to give, but what I have, you can use. God, my answer is yes. God, my answer is going to be an answer full of faith. God, my answer is going to be worship. It doesn't matter what I'm facing today. God, my answer is going to be, I trust you. God, my answer is going to believe, I believe that you are big enough. I believe that you are good enough. I believe that you are faithful enough. God, my answer is yes. You can have my answer, God. It's yes. I also know that when you approach God with that attitude, that he can take your insignificant life and do extraordinary things with it. And that's what he wants to do with each and every person in this room. I want to challenge you today, King's House. I know it's hard here in the Western world and here in America to understand that maybe it's not about me. Maybe. Maybe the entire universe doesn't orbit around my desires, my wants, and my needs. Crazy. Maybe God wants to use your answer to determine somebody else's outcome. I don't know about you this morning, King's House. My answer is yes. Yeah, my answer is going to be full of faith. My answer is going to be full of hope. My answer is the opposite of everything fear wants to do in our lives. God, whatever you want to do with my life, however you want to use me, my answer is yes. And as we do that, we have to trust God's going to take our answer and use it to change and affect and determine the answers of others around us. Would you pray with me, King South? God, I love you so much. God, I thank you that you are so intimately involved with the seemingly unimportant things in our lives. God, you know every detail. God, you know everything that every person in this room is going through today. God, I just ask that you would put a supernatural passion, a supernatural tenacity inside of each and every one of us. Some of us are walking through some difficult times, some hardships, all sorts of things going on. God, we want our answer to be worship today, trust today, faith today. And God, I thank you that you can take things that seem so small and little, but God, in the hands of an almighty creator, you can do extraordinary things. God, I thank you that you're going to use the lives of people sitting in this room this morning to affect their families, to affect this community, to, to affect this state, to affect nations all around this world. You're going to use people sitting in this room today to make a difference on a global scale. We will never know the full effects of our choices, of our answers until we get to eternity. But God, I thank you that you're gonna use us in a mighty way. God, bless these people. God, give them your strength. Give them your grace today in everything they do. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, amen. God bless you, King's House. Have a safe, fun 4th of July today. God bless you. See you next week. Thanks for joining our podcast today. If you are ever in need of prayer or wish to speak to a pastor, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you would like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church slash giving. Or you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321 and simply respond to the prompt sent back to you. If you're ever around the area and want to visit, we meet every week at 124 V. Huber Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit ahead of time where you can reserve your seat, your parking spot, and even pre-check in your kids before arriving on the Sunday of your choice. Just fill out the quick form at thekingshouse.church slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all our latest messages, and we look forward to seeing you soon.